You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Horn Frogs, your daily TCU podcast. It is Thursday, April 15th. And my voice sounds weird today, I'm sorry. Uh, or just weirder than normal. I think my voice is always kind of weird. I don't have the most commanding voice in general. But if it sounds odder than usual, it's because uh, I got allergies going on. So I'm, I'm fighting through it. I'm trying to still bring you some good content on a Thursday. But, uh, yeah, apologies in advance for, for my voice. It's a little raspy today. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Uh, Rock Auto, amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them that Locked On sent you. So let's get into it. I feel like I need some soap opera music for this first segment because I'm going to talk about something that has had a bunch of twists and turns over the last few weeks. It's the Chandler Morris situation. And yesterday afternoon, uh, some news came down. First, the Big 12 decided to get rid of their interconference uh, transfer rule meaning that the Big 12 had a rule where if you transferred within the conference, you would have to sit out a season. You wouldn't get immediate eligibility. And uh, they've, they've rescinded that. They basically voted to say, hey, we're just going to do what um, the NCAA decides to do. We're going to follow the NCAA's lead on this issue. And the NCAA came out. Well, they didn't come out yet. It's supposed to become official today. But reports are coming out about the NCAA. And the NCAA is saying – uh, they have voted reportedly for a a new one-time transfer rule that would allow players in any sport, the first time they transfer, they don't have to sit out. So you can transfer one time. You can be immediately eligible. doesn't matter if you're a grad transfer, undergrad, whatever. You can transfer one time. You can be immediately eligible. And the first thing that a lot of people thought, and I thought this too, my, one of my first thoughts was, okay, well, there you go. Chandler Morris is now eligible. Like he's, He should be ready to go. And he's already practicing, but he should be able to play now if they need him. It looks like right now he's number two on the depth chart, so if they needed him for some reason, they could use him. If they decided they wanted to have more of a quarterback battle in the fall, that would become a possibility. Apparently that's not the case. Drew Davidson from the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, who does a really good job on the beat, he came out later in the day and said, uh, let me find his tweet here so I can read it exactly. He said on the Chandler Moore situation, um, he's not quite eligible yet. It's a national letter of intent issue. Here's the exact tweet. On the Chandler Morris issue, OU must still release him from his national letter of intent. This is an NLI issue. NLI, NLI requires players to stay a year in residence. Most schools release players from it when they leave. OU has to do that with Morris per source. And then he went on to write a story about it. That was good. It's in the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. Encourage you to read it if you can. And Drew laid out that basically OU could still block this on a technicality. Because he is still under the national letter of intent at Oklahoma. And there is a bylaw that says if you sign a national letter of intent, that you have to spend a year at that school. You have to spend two semesters at that school. And you can still ask for your release, but... If they don't, they don't have to grant it if you haven't spent a year at the school. For instance, Zach Evans, he signed a national letter of intent with Georgia. He changed his mind. He said, hey, I don't want to be here. 
and he asked for his release. Now, Georgia didn't have to do that. They ended up doing it because, I mean, why keep a guy around that doesn't want to be there? But they let him go because he asked, even though they don't have to. Micah Peavy, the basketball transfer coming over from Texas Tech, according to Drew Davidson's sources, his national letter of intent situation is taken care of. Tech's going to release him from it, and he'll be ready to go immediately. But since Chandler wasn't there for a year, they don't have to do that. Now look, I think this would be a terrible look for Oklahoma. I, I already feel like the public opinion is largely like, Lincoln, what are you doing? Why are you drawing a line in the sand on this? Aside from people on Twitter that have OU football players as their profile picture, I think most folks agree with DCU that he should be released. And if they decided to stand firm on this now, when the Big 12 and the NCAA has already said, hey, the, the, this is a new rule. We're, we're allowing these guys to transfer one time and play immediately. If you're going to go against that, that seems really petty and really vindictive and, and very stupid. So, Oklahoma doesn't have to do this, but I think they'll eventually relent on this. If they don't, I feel like it's a bad look for the university. But they don't have to. So, he's technically, as of last night, and I assume this morning because I haven't seen anything to the contrary, he's technically still not eligible, which is really bizarre and and silly to me. But because it's a national letter of intent issue with Oklahoma and not just a transfer eligibility issue, he can practice, but he can't play. And again, I I really think that if it comes down to it, OU is going to say, okay, go ahead. Because if they don't, it just, it looks really dumb. And I've seen people bring up, too, you know, Chad Morris is now coaching at Allen. That's obviously going to be a hot recruiting bed for a lot of schools, including OU. So that's another reason for them to do it. But also, like, it would be super petty to hold them back now. And there's been some allegations that Lincoln didn't really appreciate uh, or, or was at least surprised that Chandler made this decision. There were also there's also some rumors of tampering, but there's no evidence for that. I mean, I'm not seeing any uh, any evidence that TCU tampered. So I, I I just I don't understand what the end game would be for the Sooners, other than to prove like, hey, we're in charge here. We're going to teach this kid a lesson. And if Chandler Morris handled all his business, even if he did leave without saying something to the to the team, like is that kind of is that kind of silly on his part and immature on his part? Yeah. But it's not against the rules. And if you're gonna hold him up just because of that, then I think that says a lot more about you than it does the uh eighteen, nineteen year old kid who's making the decision. So we'll see. But the update is that it's it's still the same, which is unfortunate because I thought this was all cleared up yesterday. Not quite. Still one more technicality that has to fall. Let's talk about Rock Auto. Rock Auto, they're not a petty business. You know, they're not going to hold people back like Lincoln Riley does just if, if they don't like how they go about it. But they will help you get the parts you need for your car. Uh, Rock Auto is a family-owned company. They've been around for, for years. And 
it's a great resource for someone like me that doesn't know much about cars because there are so many makes and models now. There's so many manufacturers I can compare. I can get good advice. I can get what I need. And also do-it-yourselfers mechanics, they use Rock Auto as well because of those low prices, because of how quickly they can get your parts to you, because they're trusted and they're reliable. RockAuto.com, they have a How Did You Hear About a section on their website, and if you click on that drop-down box and hit Locked On, we'd appreciate it so that they know that we sent you. Reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Back on Locked on Horn Frogs, your daily TCU podcast. I wanted to let you hear here in segment two. I chatted with Josh Neighbors yesterday about uh, some Big 12 baseball. So I'm just going to let you hear part of it. This is um, him and I discussing Oklahoma State and TCU. And, of course, Oklahoma State and TCU facing off this weekend starting Friday night at Lupton. Here's, uh, here's part of that conversation. The other team I want to talk, uh, talk about a little bit before we get to your uh, TCU Horn Frogs is Oklahoma State. They're 21 7 and one and in the big 12 right now they are in third place what's really interesting about oklahoma state and this is what i always like to point to is they might have one of the most ridiculous staffs and and when i mean staff i mean a coaching staff their coaching staff has robin ventura and matt holiday on the staff (laughs) which is like which is like i mean could you imagine being 18 year old kid and getting to have that wealth of knowledge and look the, the pitchers could pick their brains too you know about how to attack certain hitters in certain spots, but having those two guys, uh, not too bad, but you know, this team, yeah, their pitching rotation is, is really, um, that's been, I think this year is what's really helped them. Am I correct on this? Yeah, you are. Uh, their coaching staff is kind of like the blue Jays. It's like a nineties baseball retro, like throwback <laughs> edition in some ways. Um, but yes, yeah, so they're led by their pitching staff. They actually don't, ha- they only have one player that hits regularly. That's hitting over 300 right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but Justin Campbell, is spotting a 1.15 ERA so far this year. Scott Parker is 1.60. Their Sunday starter gets a little that gets a little more vulnerable, and that's where you've seen them have some hiccups. But as far as you know, Friday and Saturday, um, they they got two guys that can go six or seven innings and are only going to give up a few runs. Most runs Campbell has given up this year was uh, three, and that was in North Carolina Greensboro. And I'll just chalk that up to maybe not having the best focus. Uh, in the office that day. Overall, though, Oklahoma State is going to make it happen with uh, with their arms. They have a good bullpen as well. So they uh, play a little small ball. You know, they have a few guys that can hit home runs, and it makes up for, for some of their lower batting averages. But if you're going to lose games to them, it's probably going to be, you know, more of the 3-2, 4-1 type of variety because um, that they keep it low scoring and, and have some timely hitting when they can. Yeah, and even, I mean, you know, Rebelski for them, like the guy is still, I mean, opponents are only hitting 203 off of him. So, you know, it's still, it's a pretty well-rounded rotation. And then, yeah, you went back to the hitting, and I mean, and Carnacion Strand is the guy that really pops off the page to you. I mean, he's a guy, I think he's been in the Big 12 honors a couple times now uh, Mm -hmm. in terms of player of the week. So, you know, the one problem is you kind of get worried when you start seeing later on in the year and you start seeing everybody's best pitchers, you know, uh, night in, night out, right towards the best, towards the back end of the season, when you get in those, the pod settings, you know, you sometimes have to force a third game or a second, you know, depending on what it is, a second game against a team, right. Before you kind of get a pitcher that you're really confident you can hit. That might be a problem for them down the line, right. Getting themselves to a situation where they're facing not a top arm in one of those tournament settings. Yeah, I think it can be. And I mean, you know, that that lineup 
we'll see how they hold up against top flight pitching too, because um, if, if you can't score, it's tough to win. Even if you have a, a way to, you know, hold on and, and stay in those games. So that's going to be the issue for Oklahoma state. They still have some time to figure it out. Um, and maybe find some ways that the manufacturer runs in those games, but they definitely have guys on that staff that can uh, hang with just about anybody. It seems. All right. So TCU now. So TCU is in a kind of weird spot. They are 12th in the country, but they are what second now in the conference. And I think they just yeah. dropped their first conference games in Lubbock. Would you say it's a sign of anything to come or just kind of one of those blips and chalk it up to some of how, you know, how difficult it is to win in a place like Lubbock? So, yeah, they blew through their first couple of series against Baylor and Oklahoma sweeps. Um, and that tech series was close. Sunday was not close. That was a run rule game where they got destroyed. But Saturday they had a chance to pull it out. I think they're going to be a factor. The issue with TCU is they're really thin in their bullpen. Um, they have a couple guys, Haley Green and Charles King, that can go multiple innings. And they have a young pitcher, River Ridings, who has come in in some high leverage situations. But outside of that, they just really don't have a lot of guys they can trust. So um, they haven't fared well in close games, but they haven't played a lot of close games. They've either blown people out or gotten blown out. Um, you know, we're about 30 games in, and they've played in four one-run games all season, and they've lost three of those. So down the road, that's a problem because you're going to have – you know, close games against really good teams. Uh, we'll see how they bounce back against Oklahoma State. They have a good lineup, not a great lineup. Um, Hunter Wolf can hit really well. Uh, Gene Wood has some power. Um, Braden Taylor's a freshman who's hitting the ball well. He, he's both driving it out of the park and, uh, you know, has a good average as well. They're, they're aggressive. They run the base as well. So they've been able to manufacture runs. And their starting staff is pretty solid. Um, Russell Smith is really good on Friday nights. Austin Krobe has nasty stuff, and if he is hitting his spots, he's a, a formidable guy on Saturdays. And then on Sundays, they have a, a player, Johnny Ray. He's a JUCO transfer, and he's actually a pretty high draft prospect because he's got nasty stuff. He can hit 98 on the gun really mm. consistently, uh, but he walks a lot of dudes. And he just he struggled to get out of the fourth or fifth inning because his pitch count's so high. He had a really bad start against Texas Tech. So some inconsistency in the back end of that rotation, and – just not many guys on the bullpen that they can trust that have sort of haunted them this year. That being said, I think they're going to take care of business against kind of the bottom half of the league. And it's really going to come down to, you know, how do they play against Oklahoma state and Texas and in those critical series that are left for them um, over the next few weeks. Yeah. And kind of look at their schedule. You know, they're going to get a, uh, a pretty, I mean, wouldn't say it's, it's a, the worst strong rule, but look, playing Oklahoma state, them playing KU, West Virginia, then Texas, you know, it, it's kind of shaping up pretty nice for them. And also after that, they're going to get a break with the ULM series before they play Kansas State in their final series of the year. So not really having to run the gauntlet maybe towards the back end. That's it's pretty nice. No, it is. And, yeah, this this two-week stretch is probably their tough stretch of the season with Tech mm-hmm. and Oklahoma State back-to-back. But they've got some space in between that and the UT series. And they'll have some time if they can – set themselves up well to maybe work out some things before the tournament starts. You know, one thing I'll say too, before we go, I don't know if people caught this, but they're actually going to choose regional and super regional sites at the end of this month, because uh, they want to give those sites extra time to be able to right. prepare for COVID protocols. Um, so these teams will find these top teams, of the big 12, they'll find out if they get a chance to host in the next few weeks. So 
it's a pretty critical time of the year because apparently it's going to be you make a bid and if it looks like your team is good enough to be you know a top 16 seed they'll give you a chance to host um so some teams will be jockeying for position but that's big for you know a team like texas tech that plays so much better at home than they do on the road uh is there any team in kind of the back part of this conference that you think you know i'll go five the rest i mean west virginia kind of average i know oklahoma i mean oklahoma is, is usually a program that we expect to be pretty good and they just yeah. haven't been i mean that was a program growing up pretty consistently pretty good haven't been as good um as of late anybody in that back end who maybe we should be looking at you know ou i think they have the talent to do it but the times i've watched them this year i just haven't been really impressed uh, i'll actually go with uh, a team that doesn't have a really good record right now but baylor took two out of three from west virginia over the weekend they have a, a really good leadoff hitter in Jared McKenzie, um, mm-hmm. a pretty solid staff. Uh, Tyler Thomas throws for them on Friday nights, and he's been good. Hayden Kettler has also uh, been pretty good for them uh, on Sundays. And Steve Rodriguez, just he has a way. His teams never start well, but they seem to finish pretty, you know, pretty solidly. And they've already played TCU in Texas. They went one and five over those six games, so that's a big uh-huh. reason why their record's not that great. Um, if, if they can continue to play well against some of the other teams in the back of that conference like they did against West Virginia, then I, I think they'll have a good chance to make the tourney. Now, as far as any dark horses to contend for, you know, a, a top four spot or a Big 12 title, no, I really think it's it's the four teams we talked about in Tech, Texas, Oklahoma State, and TCU. That's Josh Neighbors and I talking some uh, Big 12 baseball as we barrel towards a big series between TCU and Oklahoma State starting tomorrow. Let's discuss betonline.ag. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts, and uh, it's a great resource. It's a great service. Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports runs it. They have all the latest news, injury news, reports, everything you need to know um, to get yourself informed for you know the upcoming games. MLB, NHL season in full swing. The NBA barreling towards the playoffs. In football, it's not too far away, and they'll have you covered in all those sports as well as more. They also have uh, props and bets on reality TV. Uh, there's a lot of different options. Go to betonline.ag today. Check it out. Start making some money. You can use the promo code Locked On and get a 20% sign-up bonus. Again, that's betonline.ag. All right, final segment here on Locked on Horn Frogs. Uh, on tomorrow's show, the spring game is coming up on Saturday. So we'll uh, we'll break down some questions I have um, or, or just things I'm looking for as we go into the spring game on Saturday, spring practice, whatever you want to call it. It's basically going to be uh, some, some drills with pads on. I don't think they're actually going to scrimmage so much. But I'll just uh, go through some questions I have about the team as we – Go through, go to this open practice and wrap up spring ball this weekend. And we'll also preview that big baseball series between TCU and Oklahoma State. TCU soccer has a game, um, their their last game of the regular season uh, as well coming up. So we'll talk about that. All that coming up on a Friday edition of Locked on Horn Frogs. Thank you for listening today. Locked on Horn Frogs, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.